June Hunt is an author, singer, speaker, and founder of Hope for the Heart, a worldwide biblical counseling ministry. I grew up for many years listening to June Hunt at night on the radio, giving biblical advice to those who are in need of it. This part of this conversation, of this two-part conversation, is about her stunning testimony, which is just going to get you to your core of being raised by an abusive father who simultaneously had two other families and what this taught her about who God is, about forgiveness, and about reconciliation. You are going to be on the edge of your seat listening to June talk about her life story and how God has used it for incredible redemption. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use code Allie at checkout. That's GoodRanchers.com. Code Allie. Miss June Hunt, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I love being with you. I'm excited to be with you. Me too. Me too. When we saw each other a couple months ago, a few months ago at the Ark Encounter, we were talking about a few different things. And one of the things that came up in our conversation was this topic of forgiveness, why it's Mm -hmm. a difficult topic for Christians and non-Christians alike. Some of us even misunderstand what it really means. So that's at least one of the things I want to focus on with you today. But before we get into that topic, for those who don't know your story, why this is a subject that is very personal to you, can you, you just tell us where you come from? What's your testimony? Well, in terms of forgiveness, it made no sense to me. I didn't understand uh, I I heard the word forgiveness, um, but uh, how can you just let somebody off the hook? So this was my mindset, um, and uh, my my challenge was my father, um, because uh, and I did not share this for decades, um, literally decades. Uh, because I didn't have words and I didn't know how to talk about it. My dad had three families going on concurrently Hmm. and we were the third family. So actually I grew up uh, in a a made up family like uh, we had a fictitious last name. Um, I was June Wright for a number of years uh, in school and uh, I knew how to sign uh, the the papers, like who is your father, and I made it R E right um, because I was told that this is what I needed to do, and I wanted to be loyal to the family. <clears throat> so um, we were uh, a, this uh, family off on the side in Dallas, and I had a brother. A year older and then I had two younger sisters and my objective was I needed to take care of my two sisters especially and um, I wanted to be my mom's protector mm. um, then at, when I was 12 we moved into my father's home because his first wife had died and then 11 months later my parents married mm. Okay, so your parents weren't married when 
you were born, when your siblings were born, did you know that they weren't married? Did you know that anything was amiss or not really? I just knew there was a man who would come to our house and kind of, he he wanted me to call him partner. And it hmm. was, so that's what we called him. And it was kind of odd. Nobody else I knew right. would say that. But I, I just kind of knew not to talk, not to tell friends, not to ever comment. I wasn't told not to tell, but there are times nobody had what I had. And um, then um, when we, uh, my parents married, uh, I that uh, was on a Sunday, and I remember going to school, and all of a sudden my schoolmate said, your mother married. Why didn't you tell us? And I was stunned. First of all, how did they know? Number two, I, I said in my mind, not out loud, why would I tell you? And then I found out it was on the front page of the Dallas Morning News. Hmm. Nobody told me. You know, in a dysfunctional family, there's not good communication. And there's not good problem solving. There's not conflict resolution. I didn't even know the, the word Allie Beth, uh, I, I didn't know the word dysfunctional family, but right. we clearly were a dysfunctional family. Right. And my mom was sweet, sweet, sweet. Uh, never saw anything that would lack character except in this one area because she had huge shame about her and she had no friends. And that was, that, I could not understand she was sweet. She could be joyful, and and uh, but the, it's like there's this hidden part of her, and he was 28 years older, so mm. she was like a trophy wife, but she wasn't mercenary at all. She wasn't monetarily uh, focused. Uh, she was trying to protect us. I knew that. And we spent a lot of time at my grandmother's. So in, I was in Idabel, Oklahoma, uh, for every like uh, occasion, uh, Christmas, you know, Easter, uh, Thanksgiving. And that was my safe place. Mm -hmm. And I had uh, two cousins, male cousins, and my brother and I, we made a fearsome foursome playing football and baseball, you know, tag football and whatever. And... Uh, but nobody ever, ever talked about our situation. And then uh, later, uh, so now I'm in, in school and a teacher comes up to me and says, uh, June, what do we call you? Uh, you're going by June Wright on your papers and your brother is signing uh, his name Hunt. And I didn't, now I didn't know what to do and I thought, yeah. I said, okay, well, if he's doing that, I'll go on and be June Hunt. So, again, conversation wasn't... Confusion. Yeah, and at my dad's home now, we were not allowed to talk during dinner as mm -hmm. kids, uh, unless it was of interest to everyone. Well, if whatever we would say would not be of interest to him. And so, uh, likewise, later, my dad came up to me and said, you're a bad influence on your mother, so you will have no contact with her after dinner. How old were you? 
Uh, it could have been 13, 14, okay. you know, right in there. And Bad influence. Well, I uh, finally, well, in fact, then it extended to all of us. We were all a bad influence on mm. mother, so we had no contact. So uh, we would go up and do homework. And by the way, this was not what my mom wanted. Um, she was, again, very tenderhearted. And um, I, I later tried to think, Allie Beth, I thought, how, how did she get in this situation? I thought, okay, her dad died when she was four. He, my father, is double her age, so I think that had a lot to do with it. He was like a father figure, but he wasn't really um, kind. At times he could be cruel. And um, I remember when these students came up to me and said, why didn't, you know, and my parents had married. I remember going to a store Skillern's drug store, Skillern's drug store, and uh, I purchased something, and then the the clerk said, uh, "Oh, your mother got married. Uh, is that your real father?" And I said, "Yes." And then, as I was walking to the pharmacy, I had to pick up something there, so um, I. I walked to the pharmacy and I thought, "Ooh, that doesn't sound good. That doesn't that doesn't look good." And so then I was asked the same identical question, "Is that your real father?" And I said, "No." And I was remember walking out thinking, "Okay, the wrong answer is the right answer for it to look right." Okay, y'all, if you remember when Backstreet Boys Black and Blue came out, it's time for a night cream. That's me, and that's probably most of you listening to this podcast. Maybe you've been putting off actually caring about your skincare. Maybe you've been putting off making sure that what is going on your skin every night is actually moisturizing, is actually making you look your best, is actually dealing with those fine lines and wrinkles that yes, those of us who are in our 30s are looking at every time we look in the mirror, but you wanna make sure that you're doing it in a natural and healthy way. That's why I love Adele Natural Cosmetics. They've been a game changer for my skin. I use their products on a daily basis. I love their oil cleanser. I love their moisturizing spray. I love their night balm. I love their everyday line. I also love their Blue Lagoon line. I wear this stuff or I use this stuff all the time. Plus, Pro-Life Christian Company. It's a family-run company. Everything is made in the U.S. Everything is natural and holistic, fragrance-free, paraben-free, all the synthetic preservatives, nanoparticles, petrol products, all that stuff that you don't want on your skin that's actually making your skin worse. You don't have to worry about that with Adele Natural Cosmetics. Go to adelnaturalcosmetics.com. Use code Allie at checkout. For 25% off your first order, adelnaturalcosmetics.com, adelnaturalcosmetics.com, code Allie. So I did have a problem with lying for quite a while um, in my, even into my early adulthood. I didn't want to. I thought, I don't understand me. I don't understand. But then I thought, well, <laughs> then I thought, well, I, I, when do I when do, when was the first time I remember even lying and I thought well like my 
my whole life was a lie the way we lived for quite a bit of time. But nobody, again, was talking. And I, and I didn't know how to talk about it and, and wouldn't have talked about it. So um, what did happen, though, uh, Dad would at times just attack Mom verbally. And I learned then later there was physical abuse. and uh, But not that she had ever would ever say anything but i i one day i remember he just lashed out her at her and i thought why she is only supportive only kind she never tries to turn any of us against him and 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 i went up to her with clenched teeth how can you be so nice to him and she said oh honey he doesn't know the lord if he only knew the Lord, he wouldn't be that way. I, I, I didn't know what to do with that. I, it, it's like, oh, she, she's focusing on his need. I'm just focusing on his fault. And then I began to realize, see, at that time now, I had become a Christian, and how we got into a Christian church was amazing, but... Um, Originally, I knew no Bible. I knew I was in a church, a mainline denomination, but no Bible was taught. I knew the only scripture I knew was when everyone would say the Lord's Prayer in the congregation. And uh, that was the denomination my mom was raised in. But uh, in terms of ever reading the Bible, I, I was a blank page. So I remember now ended up being uh, like uh, 15 in a, in a biblically-based church, and I was stunned at these authentic Christians because I didn't even, I mean, I was asked, June, are you a Christian? I said yes. But Allie Beth, what that mean, meant to me was, Okay, was I Jewish or a Christian? I, I was not Jewish, so yes, I'm a Christian. And I, and then, it was the young people, it was the youth that were saying to me, you know, Christianity is not a religion; it's a relationship with God through Christ. And I thought, why would they say it's not a religion? But I wasn't verbal, so I didn't say those words. But that second part stuck with me it's a relationship well i've never heard anything like that and by the way i'm very aware that many people have never heard of the authentic relationship that we are uh, that god wants us to have with him and that we can literally enter into we receive jesus as our lord and savior uh, Lord means master, ruler, owner. But I didn't know any of that. But I watched, and I was so impressed with authentic Christians. I mean, they clearly had something that I did not have, and I wanted that. And I uh, was invited to youth camp. They said, oh, you'll really like that. That's really wonderful. It's fun. And I thought... Huh. Okay, and there was a 
a magic store near anyway i i knew where a magic store so i went and i looked around and they had some uh, itching powder and i thought maybe they play tricks on each other so i bought some itching powder <laughs> it's I, but then i go to youth camp and they have phenomenal uh activities like but they were bible oriented for many of them at, in the morning and and um uh, I, I'd never seen a missionary. I thought all missionaries just have big buttons on their head heads, but but um, but that was not really what they had. Um, they these were like normal people, and I just was fascinated. And then finally, I went to um, the Bible teacher who was my Sunday school teacher, and I said, "I uh, I want to ask a question." How do I know if I'm a Christian? I think I am. And she wisely said, I mean, there was no way she could think I was a Christian, but she said, I can't know your heart like God knows your heart. But if you weren't a Christian, would you be willing would you be willing to do whatever God would want you to do to become a Christian? I, I thought, well, what would God want me to do? And I was just, I'm analytical, I'm math. Math makes sense to me. That may not make sense to other people, but it makes sense to me. And I'm thinking, what if it doesn't work? Because I had seen people walk down an aisle and pray to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. And I'd never seen that before. There were many, many people, adults and teenagers, uh, you know, young people, and I think, what if it doesn't work? I thought, well, if it doesn't work, I guess it doesn't work. But what if it would have worked? And yet I refused. And I thought, you know, very candidly, I know there's a script that says, if you have faith as big as a mustard seed. I didn't even have the mustard seed. I mean, I had maybe an eighth of the mustard seed. I was being drawn because of the youth leaders and the youth themselves. And I wanted what they had. And as I looked at them, I thought, they have all this information. That's it. They know. I mean, they, they can actually, if the pastor or a teacher says a scripture, they just go, and they're there. I think, how do they do that? That's like a magic trick. And that's what I really thought. It was like a magic trick. Not that I thought it was magic, but I, I was so impressed that they knew the Bible and I knew nothing. And they they would sit by me and turn in the Bible when it would be time to go get to a particular passage. And, I and they were so kind. And nobody made fun of me for not knowing anything. But what I can tell you is I, I now had a decision to make. Do I, would I be willing to humble my heart and receive Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior? And I finally decided, um, I don't know if it'll work, but I will try. All right, let me tell y'all again about Naturally It's Clean, this company that I've been posting about for a long time because we use their products so much. They use plant enzymes in all of their cleaning products to make sure that 
Um, it's super effective, but also it's safer and less toxic for your home, for your family, for your pets. They don't have fake fragrances and all that stuff that you find in most even natural cleaning products. Like this stuff truly is clean and it's really effective, especially the carpet remover. I also really like the stain remover. They have got little stain remover packets that I carry with me that really work and We all know how often you need those things, especially if you're a mom. Also, when this is a company that shares our values, they really love America. All their stuff is made in the U.S. This is a great company to support, and I promise you'll really like their products. Go to naturallyitsclean.com slash Allie for 15% off your order. Naturallyitsclean.com slash Allie. Use code Allie at checkout. Naturallyitsclean.com slash Allie, code Allie. And so I prayed a prayer of salvation. Simply, God, I, I, I know my life is uh, confusing. Uh, I, I don't know you uh, in a personal way. And Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my life to be my personal Lord and Savior. I give you control of my life the best way I know how. And um, I wondered if I would feel something different, uh, you know, but you know the bottom line is, um, it's it, you know I learned that salvation is not based on feelings; it's based on will we humble our hearts. It's a decision, an act of the will. Will I choose to allow Christ to take control of my life? Mm. And I really needed that, but there was this one area. I was changing in a lot of areas. This was ways. when you were a teenager, correct? I was a teenager. Okay. Yes, I was a junior in high school when okay. that took place. But uh, this area of forgiveness, because I would see a scripture like Colossians three thirteen says, "Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievance you have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you." Mm. But it didn't. How, how could it be? It's like letting somebody off the hook, and there's no accountability. And I thought, well, the two people that God made first, Adam and Eve, they were told one thing not to do. What did they do? They did the one thing that they were told not to do. They ate from that tree, and um, there was a consequence, because he had said there would be a consequence. but. As I was hearing about forgiveness, there didn't seem to be a consequence, no accountability to change. I mean, you're, you're just supposed to forgive. And so I couldn't figure that out. So I kind of, I, I didn't disagree with the Bible. I knew not to do that. I just didn't understand it. So kind of put it somewhere over here. Yeah. And, and, um, uh, and I did confront my dad about his women. So this was when you were a teenager. Mm-hmm. And this, okay, because I do, I have been wanting to ask a clarifying question about this since you brought up the women. You said that his first wife died and he moved in with your mom, got married. What happened to the second family? Was that I didn't ongoing? know about them. Okay. Uh, probably when I was in maybe early college, there okay. was, I'd seen these uh, two different men who were maybe 10 years older than me that um, 
periodically would be at our home, uh, Hugh and Howard. And and finally, uh, one day, Hugh came up to me. He said, now, you know you're my half-sister, don't you? I said, uh, no, I wasn't aware of that. And he said, yes, there are four of us in Atlanta. Wow. I said, oh, uh, thank you for telling me. But, you know, I don't think I went to anybody in our family, my brother, or, uh, you know, to say, by the way, what was going on? You just somehow, we yeah. we didn't communicate about yeah. those things. But nothing really surprised me. And uh, so I just, uh, at some point, my my name changed with me and i wondered you know when i had to do something in college i thought what will my birth certificate say yeah. and it was june right it was, yes. I, I mean i'm sorry it was it was ruth june hunt yes and okay. so okay that is my name and uh, from the time i was born and so you know but somehow not talking about these things just um uh, and never telling, talking to um, people about my family life. So people who knew me, they didn't know my real story. Um, and, you know, after I, I graduated from college, it's very interesting. My The pastor of the church, uh, it was a huge church, he said, you are going to be our junior high director. There were 600 in the junior high division. Now, I had been saved through the senior high ministry, uh, and uh, I didn't even want to do that. Uh, but I knew it was right, and I said, when's the latest time I can come? And he gave me three weeks. Well, Allie Beth, as, as you can imagine, there would be loners at times, kids. There would be those who were shut down, I knew that personally, and I was so drawn to them, and I would give one-on-one -on -one attention, and I would put my hand on the shoulder. Here would be a boy that would be, uh, my first day, there was a guy who was just uh, tearing the slats down to tell people where to go, and I walked in, and I just went up to him. I said, hi, I'm June. I'm the new junior high director. What's your name? Jerry. I said, hi, Jerry. Um, and then I said some, a few things. I said, you know, Jerry, I don't know the names of so many um, here because I'm so new. Is it possible that I could ask you at times who is here? I mean, who, what is that person's name? And he looked, all right. And, uh, I put my hand on his shoulder. I said, "I would that would mean a lot to me, but I've got a whole bunch of watermelons. Could I use your muscle? Could you get a couple of buddies, and I need your muscle to get the watermelons from the first floor to the fourth floor? And can I, could, could you help me? And he kind of goes like this. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Sure. And so I... It, and it was uh, fascinating because he was a, a rebel. He was a loner. And uh, I remember on a choir tour, uh, I was just 
there for support because I was the junior high director and not not for music, but bottom line, uh, I saw he didn't sit with anybody on the bus when they were touring and and I went up to him and kind of sat on the side, just a, uh, on the, the, the handlebar, and I said, uh, what is your book? I, I see a book. And he said, F stops. I said, F stops? Are, are you, do you like cameras? And he said, yeah. <laughs> I said, well, Jerry, would you be our official uh, photographer for the whole junior high division and then he looked down just at his feet he said I don't have a camera Mm -hmm. well if I got you a camera would you be our official photographer and he looked up yeah (laughs) I said I'll provide all the film so he ended up coming to everything and when he was a senior in high school graduating uh, he brought me the annual, and he was the photographer for the senior class. And it, and um, later that summer, he drowned. Mm-hmm. And his mom, a year later, came to me, and he said, June, there were only two people who really reached out to Jerry. You, and he mentioned a man named Perry. And he said, and she said, his mom said, it changed his life that somebody believed in him and would give him personal attention. Well, I knew what it was like to not feel seen, mm-hmm. and I understood that. He, he was a middle boy of five boys, and there was no father in the home. Mm. And he needed someone to literally, he needed several someones right. to pay attention to him and literally see that he had value and to see that he, God had a plan and purpose for mm-hmm. him. So very early on, God is already using your hardship in a redemptive way to relate to the people that you were serving in church. You had felt, I'm guessing, rejection by your father, even though he was technically there, Um, But you said that after you became a Christian, you actually did confront him about some of these things, right? Which I imagine was really hard to do, not just because of the rejection, also because of the power that he held in the home, and because you said that y'all hadn't communicated about this stuff at all. So tell me about that. Tell me about that confrontation and what that led to. I um, was at home. And for some reason, my mom was at a school event with my other siblings. And um, I said, how can you be, How mother is totally dedicated to you. How can you be so cruel to her at times? And, and how can you have these other women? And he said, I'm not a Christian. I don't have to go by Christian ethics. Hmm. And then he said, And she's mentally ill. Now that just... That's what he said about your mother. Well, what scared me was this. I knew she wasn't mentally ill. Yeah. That is a common 
that is not unusual for right. some abusive men to say about their wives, and it scares them later uh, because then they because mother asked me, "Am I mentally ill?" Mm. I said mother, "You are not mentally ill," mm. and he would take her to psychiatrists, wow. uh, and um, none of them agreed. But my fear was this, Ali Beth. I thought money can buy power. Mm. He was a president of a company. He had money. And from that respect, since money buys power, I was afraid that he would find a psychiatrist who he could pay off right. and then institutionalize my Ugh. mom because his eldest son was institutionalized in the East Coast from his first marriage. And he loved that son. but uh, And that son was actually the age of my mom, so it was very wow. odd. Yes. But uh, it... it I lived with fear for years yes. uh, until close until my dad died in my the yes. upper 20s. All right, y'all. The parallel economy is getting bigger and bigger. That parallel economy is the economy that is being grown by Christian conservatives. Uh, the economy that is being grown by people that does not, that do not want to support these progressive companies that are sending their money to the gender transition of minors. We want to support as much as we can companies that actually align with our values, that are supporting the things that you and I believe in. One of the companies that's doing that is Patriot Mobile. They're America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. And you get the same coverage uh, by using Patriot Mobile as you do with the other major carriers, but you're just spending your money at a place that actually is aligned with our principles, which is a huge win. They have a great customer service team. They're all based in the United States. They make switching really easy. Plus, with my link, uh, patriotmobile.com slash Allie, you get free activation when you sign up. They also have special discounts for veterans and first responders. So check that out. Go to patriotmobile.com slash Allie, patriotmobile.com slash Allie. And so how did you and when did you kind of realize that you were holding on to this, what many people would call justified anger and resentment mm -hmm. against your dad who mistreated the mom that you loved, who mistreated you, made you and your siblings feel like you were nothing. At what point in your walk with Christ did you realize, oh, this is the big one. This is what I'm hanging on to. Well, since you asked about the confrontation, yeah, it did not go well because then after that, uh, I was beaten, and you mm -hmm. never forget a beating. Now, this was not ongoing with me, but I thought I won because I didn't. I remember saying, "Hell will freeze over before I shed a tear." Now, I wasn't a Christian really at that point. Oh, it was just okay. before becoming oh, a Christian, okay. but nevertheless, I. Uh, I uh, decided I will not shed a tear. And so he just wore out. And he's a big man. So wow. uh, I, and then I just was on this bed and I said, are you finished? And he said, yes. So I Ugh. slowly slid off and slinked away. And I thought, I won. I won because I didn't shed a tear. And mother came in. And I told her what had happened, and then I was sorry I did because she felt responsible because it was about her. But she wasn't responsible. But 
And then um, the next day I was sent off to boarding school. Oh, wow. And that crushed mom. So, uh, you know, and uh, by the way, uh, at that point, that was, I, I know we weren't uh, doing things consecutively time-wise, <laughs> yeah, but I'm sorry about order. that. That's okay. But, uh, but I was a sophomore at that point, and okay. I wasn't a Christian yet. Okay. And um, I just remember I made all Fs and 1D that, that quarter uh, when I was, uh, and, and I, I, I just couldn't process. I couldn't, I didn't know what to do. And then, then came, you know, home for the summer, but not really home for the summer. I was sent away, uh, and we were all sent away um, to camp. And camp is supposed to be a positive thing, but when you're being sent away, that's a whole different uh, feeling, and uh, it, it is rejection. So I think the issue was then later becoming a Christian when I was a junior and in high school. Um, I I I did believe the Bible. I was I I saw I did have a changed life, but I didn't again. I didn't know what to do with the scriptures on forgiveness, and um, there was a in my twenties there was a conference that uh, a man wanted me to go to, and I did, and he was a doctor, and um, he said, I'm paying your way, and so I said, oh, okay, and and so the question was asked, how many of you feel that you're the exception, uh, that uh, there's a concept of forgiveness, but God knows your situation, and, and that's different, and I raised my hand, and there were about 300 people there, and uh, I remember very distinctly uh, there were four of four hands that went up. And then this doctor came over to me. He said, June, I saw that you raised your hand. And I said, yes. And he said, what percentage do you think you were wrong and that your dad was wrong? So what was the, would the percentage be? I thought, hmm. I hadn't thought of it that way. I said, well, I would say he was 98% wrong and I was 2% wrong. And then he said, aren't you responsible for your 2%? Oh, yes, I am. He said, well, what would you need to do about your 2%? I said, I don't know, I'll, but I, I understand I am responsible. So I deeply thought about it, seriously thought about it, and I thought I've never thanked him for a roof over my head, for books for school, and food on the table. So I went to him and I said, uh, Dad, may I speak with you? And he had a newspaper, and he looked up at me. And I said, I have been an ungrateful daughter. See, I've been a youth director, and I told all these adults that the most difficult thing for a parent is an ungrateful child. And therefore, we need to be so aware of that dynamic. And then I said, I have been an ungrateful daughter. 
I've never thanked you for the roof over my head, for books for school, and food on the table. Would you be willing to forgive me? And he had his newspaper looking at me, and he said something totally uncharacteristic. He said, the pleasure was all mine, and then he went right back to the newspaper. That's not even his language. But I thought, but I've done what is right. Because now God was helping me see myself in a different light. And I didn't understand forgiveness until I really started focusing to, to uh, I studied on it. And I found that the word forgive means release. It means to dismiss like to dismiss a debt. And Alibeth, let's say someone comes to you and says, I don't know what to do. I have this this bill I have to pay for the electrical uh, f f just to keep our, our, our uh, lights on. Uh, could I borrow $100? And I promise I can pay it back. Uh, within the month and uh, and you say yes I'll do that and so now you pay give her the hundred dollars but then all of a sudden she's in a car crash and she can't work like she was she's in the hospital and you're aware of what's going on and so uh, let's say three months goes by and you say I want you to know you go her and you say, I've chosen to forgive the debt. You don't have to pay me back. And just, it's, it's a gift of grace you're giving her. And you forgive the debt. And she is deeply appreciative, but she really can't pay the debt. Well, that word forgive the debt is in our English language, and it means to dismiss. So forgive, forgiveness means to dismiss what someone else owes you. And it's an act of the will. It's, it's uh, dismissing the debt, granting forgiveness, uh, which, which means the, the person is no longer, uh, if you will, on the hook to pay you back. And so... It's when they fail to meet your expectations, when they fail to keep their promises, uh, they fail to even treat you unjustly. Um, that is what the concept is. It's not that it's earned. They've not earned it. But you choose to dismiss the debt. And this is where, you know, the Jesus said, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, uh, turn to them the other cheek also. Um and, and the Bible even says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love. So biblically, uh, to love does what's best in behalf of the other person. So uh, there, there's another word besides um, dismiss, uh, and that would be release. To release your right to get even, to release your right to literally uh, hear, I'm sorry. Now, that was a big deal to me. I kept waiting for my dad to say, I'm sorry, to apologize. 
uh, and but in in and by the way, I never did hear that. Um, but I I knew I was I was bitter toward my dad. I hated him for how he treated my mom. It's like hurt me, don't hurt her. And um, it's not that I wanted to be hurt, but it's right. like if it's one or the other, do do it to me. Uh, and yet that wasn't what was going on. Uh, but you you release your right uh, to pay back in kind uh, to, or to dwell on the offense, to keep holding on to the offense. You release your right to keep bringing up the offense. And, you know, the Bible says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Okay, let me tell you guys about Crowd Health. If you have gone through the health insurance process at all, especially for a big medical event, you know what a hassle it can be. It can make you feel sicker than maybe you already were. If you want to get out of that restricted, uh, restrictive, complicated process, you need to look at Crowd Health. Crowd Health. Crowd Health is not health insurance. It gives you the tools to negotiate and crowdfund your medical bills. All you have to do is pay a $50 membership fee to get access to services like telemedicine, like bill negotiation, and then you join the crowd, a group of members just like you who want to help pay for each other's unexpected medical events. There's no doctor's networks, and so it really is so easy to use and makes bill negotiation and things like that really accessible. With health insurance, premiums are increasing, deductibles are getting bigger, claims denials are becoming more common. So if you just want to get out of that whole complicated mess, then check out CrowdHealth. Opt out of restrictive health insurance plans like CrowdHealth help fit your healthcare needs. Get started today for just $50 a month. Use code Allie to get the healthcare you deserve. CrowdHealth is not insurance. Learn more at joincrowdhealth.com. That's joincrowdhealth.com, code Allie. Okay, so that was part one of our two-part conversation. Tomorrow, we are going to have an incredible conversation as well about uh, domestic violence, emotional abuse. What is emotional abuse? Some people say that that's not even a real category, but she's going to give us the biblical perspective on that, what it looks like to forgive someone without just letting them get away with their abuse and with their misdeeds. And so you don't want to miss that. You're going to be so encouraged by what she has to say tomorrow. Thanks so much for listening or watching. We will see you back here soon. 